0: welcome to another cup of coffee and keynote a let's talk science podcast hosted by alec coros and logan Petlak. episode one interconnected learning stem and sdgs across the curriculum with dr jennifer williams so hello it is logan petlack here and with me is alec coros alec how are you
1: doing really well how, how about you logan
0: Really good, really good, good, good weekend. Late yeah, I'm sorry. Good.
1: Pretty low key, <laughs> like usual, temp- like every COVID weekend. That's,
0: yeah, temperatures dropping. at winter's coming. Yeah, nice. Okay, <laughs> um, so this is the first official episode. Um, like we, we had the previous lead up episode together, but now this is like another cup of coffee and keynote, and this one's following up on our our guest, uh, Dr. Jennifer Williams. Uh, the coffee and keynote occurred on September 25th and it's available on the inspiration corner on let's talk sciences page. So if you haven't created an account already, check it out. Um, and if you haven't watched that coffee and keynote yet, um, it, it'll probably enrich this experience if, if you watch it, but if you haven't, uh, Alec, any, any highlights you can think of to kind of stood out from it?
1: Well, Dr. Williams uh, spoke about SDGs, and if you're not familiar with SDGs, they're the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And I really liked how she made them very accessible, uh, very doable in the classroom. Uh, she highlighted a lot of the uh, techniques that she used in, in her own classroom, uh, as well as how she counsels other classrooms as well to uh, to uh, integrate SDGs into classroom instruction. I really, really appreciated The way she simplified it, the way that she uh, brought a lot of choice into uh, the matter, and really, you know, you know, not perhaps. uh, I think one of the things she did was um, a selection of different cards that you could, you know, choose the top SDGs that you would uh, use in the classroom, and that gives a lot of choice to students to really uh, come at uh, these problems in the way or the order that they'd like to themselves. I just think that's a powerful thing rather than looking at them all because it's quite overwhelming when you look at everything. Um, So I I think it was a really great place to start and and I love the techniques that she used um, to really make things easier for teachers and for students.
0: Yeah, I agree. And to to your point, like there's there's 17 SDGs, right? Yeah. That sounds right. Um, I think like there's one about gender equality and climate action. Um, but like the, there's a lot more like waste, uh, energy, energy focuses, I believe. But, uh, when looking at the list, totally, I could, I could, uh, echo that. I think at first it would seem kind of overwhelming, but even the way, yeah. um, Jen kind of introduced it in a way that like, here's how you can make it manageable. And here's also why it's kind of nice to have all those options that you can find somewhere that everybody can kind of land and do something and take action. Um, as yep. is covered in it too. And I, yeah, really enjoyed. Uh, she included a lot of narratives and stories throughout her uh, educational experience. She sure. traveled around. It made the world, it very so. interesting. Yeah. So um, I guess with that in mind, without further ado, we will go off to our interview with uh, Jennifer Williams. You're good to go, Alec. You're good?
1: All right, I'm ready. So it's good.
0: All right, here we go. Okay, so welcome to another cup of coffee and keynote. Uh, this is our follow up from our coffee and keynote talk on September 25th on interconnected learning with STEM and SDGs across the curriculum. Um, with us today is the co-founder of Take Action Global and Teach SDGs, professor at St. Leo University in Florida, author of Teach Boldly Using EdTech for Social Good, uh, Gen- Dr. Jennifer Williams. Good morning, how are you?
2: Hi, Logan. Wonderful, thanks for having me. So excited to be here with you and Alec today as a follow up to our session last week. Really excited to talk.
1: Awesome. I, loved, yeah. I loved the session last week. So if you if you didn't catch it, we'll have to make sure that we uh, provide the link there, Logan.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, available on Let's Talk Science. <laughs> my, my best, uh, my best <laughs> thing that I can do with that. Um, and I, I will mention too at the end, um, but Jen, obviously, like you have your Jen Williams Edu uh, webpage, um, Instagram, Twitter, I'll mention it too, Jen Williams Edu. And I, what I loved about um, what you mentioned last week and just like becoming globally connected is you're, you're leaning on Twitter um, and saying how, how valuable that is to connect with uh, other educators and stuff too. So for those of you listening right now, that like connect with Jen, Jen Williams Edu <laughs> on Twitter.
2: Yeah, I'd love i love to meet you there too. Thanks
0: for that. Um, but uh, I guess the first question, just to to warm things up. So, um, what what um, I guess what was kind of your journey to get involved with sustainable development goals? Mm-hmm.
2: So, uh, SDGs these these global goals that we as a world came together. Our 2015. We had 15 years. We still have a couple to go. So we we need to reach these 17 goals by 2030. And for anyone who hasn't seen them, they we have goals crossing gender and poverty. And we have our, our very own goal with SDG4 and education. And so these goals came to me in about 2016. So about a year after they had been implemented. And I was searching. I had been, global education was kind of my jam, and I had been out trying to find educators who were also interested in connecting in this global space, having a lot of trouble with that, and these these goals appeared in front of me, and it was that moment where I saw them as like this very clear roadmap. So I'm passionate about the SDGs, but I would say I'm even more passionate about What's contained in these goals that will help us get to this destination? You know, this this better future, this this healthier, more sustainable future. But um, I, I think also I love a really good plan, and I I, I lean into systems thinking. I, I have a hard time with one-offs, and this was a plan that the world came together and put a lot of thought and intention to creating. So. Um, also, it was it was developed in solidarity. So that's something I, I really believe in too, with partnerships, but I, I loved seeing that things that I had cared about and valued as an educator were included right from the from the start. So we were seeing quality education prioritize it was like, yes, finally, we're, we're on this global stage, things like peace and partnership and how can we work together for this purpose. So. At the point when I found them, what I was seeing outside of North America, people already adopting sustainability, already working together for these efforts. Um, Some of the things like we talked about last week where when I saw into classrooms in places like Bangladesh that were very overpopulated, um, students kind of bulging outside of the room or when I would have conversations with friends in places like Eastern Africa and Tanzania when they would say, we're going out and we're doing these beach cleanups. And the next week we're coming back out and there's more trash rolling in from places other than our continent. And they already knew. And so here in the US, I felt like we just weren't seeing that those same effects, but I felt it coming. I'm like, it's coming. We're going to start seeing more populated classrooms. We're going to start seeing how one thing happening in one part of the planet can affect us all. Of course, we all know in the past two years this really has has hit home for all of us. So that moment, I think we started to see these goals. North America educators, much like educators around the world, were starting to see those connections and how they could plug in and start to take action in their own classrooms.
1: So I'm wondering, actually, Um, like, obviously this seems like this big aha moment, something that really transformed your teaching. And before that you were, you had K to 12 experience, uh, Montessori school experience. Um, but what made the difference? Like I, I look at some of the tweets in your timeline and people have, you know, heard a session from you and they're, they're just like blown, blown away. Right. Um, by the things that you've said and what you've shared, it's like this knowledge was missing at some point. Um, I, I'm just wondering what makes the difference because obviously there's not, you know, huge uh, integration of SDVs into, um, you know, into curriculum at some point, a teacher has to be, you know, driven in, in a way that's not, you know, not, uh, that they've never been driven before by, by such goals. I'm wondering, you know, what do you do to motivate them or, you know, how, how, can you relate that back to like what, what really made that spark for you to follow down this path?
2: Hmm. No, I mean, that's so kind. And, and every person that comes to a session or that I connect with, I think really, it's not about me. It's, it's yeah. about this feeling that I know with my university students, they come into my classrooms and we always start as many professors do like, why, why are you picking education? Like, why is that? your chosen path. Because I know for me, I know my why very clearly and they're they're confident in it, they know it. They're like, I'm eager, I'm ready to get my first classroom, I'm gonna make a difference in the world, let me out there. And, and something happens along the way when we start to get into classrooms, we start to feel this, all right, well, we were gonna change the world and now we have these standards or now we have these tests and like you become little bit jaded and so when i started working with with the goals with with global education teachers who are joining in some of our projects the things they're telling me is this is connecting them back to their why because we are it's an open blank canvas and so we're saying to them jump on in let's see how it goes we don't know the answers yet and that's a little you know, scary for some teachers, even me too. They're like, wait, where's that rubric? Where are my step by step directions? And we're like, you just kind of have to trust. And through that process of co-creating with their students, a lot of teachers I'm hearing are kind of getting back connected to that why. So mm-hmm. they are seeing students that aren't just consuming the information. They're actually taking it and doing things and making magic and for us as teachers, like, I think that's why a lot of us got into this profession. So it's, it's been really cool to watch and see. And uh, I mean, I think this is, I think we as educators are the one that are going to lead us to reaching these goals. So, yeah, so we're on this, on this big mission.
0: Um, I, I guess, to you mentioned like that, that I don't know, like for lack of a better term, the apathy that sometimes happens in those first couple of years teaching and rekindling that spark. Um, for you when you were beginning, um, and I, I remember like you were a literacy specialist too, I guess um, it's awesome to see how like ed tech does have that capacity to connect and be interconnected across curriculum and stuff too. And my background as a science teacher. Um, I guess my question is like, what was kind of like those, that your, your early educational years pathway? Um, to kind of getting to this, like, were you, did you, did you go through that similar experience that you've heard other teachers go through as well?
2: Yeah, I'm giving you, like, high fives from Florida here, as I hear you're a science teacher. I'm, like, science teacher groupie. I'm an English (laughs) teacher, so I'm, like, oh, I want to be a science teacher, too. (laughs) Um, So, okay, so, yeah, my, my journey in education has, has been a, a little different. So, I started off as a speech pathologist, more on the medical side of the work, and then, I really was called to to schools and classrooms. I was like, I, I've got to find my way there. And so I started as a speech path and was doing a lot of work um, with therapy and then moved as Alec mentioned to a Montessori which changed everything for me. And so there wasn't as much need for therapy at the school. So I started doing a lot of work with literacy and storytelling and We were early adopters with technology so I had this awesome moment where I was able to use tech in in this way to capture share stories connect students around the world and that moved me into more of instructional design into more of ed leadership and then left k-12 in 2014 to move to higher ed and now I get to work with classrooms all around the world so um yeah I mean I think thinking of what I had anticipated going into like I never would have known and, and that's what I talk to my students about my, my university level students and even my currently practicing um, students who are getting their master's. it's n- no longer anymore this all right I'm gonna go, I'm going to be a teacher. The ladder of progression is pretty much I'll go into administration or I might you know I might choose to uh, you know move a diff- into a different path. Educators are are valuable in any industry, and that's when I left K twelve. That's what I really found out. So it's not just this one trajectory. I don't think anymore of what it means to be a teacher. And I, I mean, I think that that's transforming too. Like, what does that even mean at this point?
1: That's one of the things that's really interesting. We've been toying with at our faculty of education about a uh, practicumless. Uh, B-Ed experience, like like mm. just taking a B-Ed, but not necessarily going into K to twelve teaching. And I think we just we need to create that pathway more explicitly. Like you can certainly find it later, as you suggested here, but yeah. you know many teachers get burned out or they don't. They're not quite on the right path. Um, but you know if we give them that idea at the beginning that they don't have to go through that traditional trajectory, as you say, from you know teacher to leadership role to retirement um you know if we provide something different i think it would also look a lot different in the classroom for those teachers and for the and for the students they teach because they you know they would think much differently about careers and outcomes and 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 of course getting you know getting back to things like the sdgs like this is you can really move with that it's got it's got wheels in in the real world and i think uh, i think there's a lot to be said about that so i appreciate those comments
2: yeah. I mean, how cool is it that universities university is thinking in that way? I, I What I saw in, Mo, in the Montessori I was in and a lot of Montessori's around the world, um, I think face this similar situation is that teachers don't all, always come to Montessori schools by way of pre-service teacher programs. A lot of them are coming out of advertising and pharmaceutical sales and all of these other industries. And they're like, I really want to be in the classroom. I I have this, it's kind of the same as me. Like I really have this desire to work with younger people. And and then they find their way there and and then they're supported through of training. So I mean starting with that in mind at the university level is is a pretty yeah. cool way of thinking about it.
1: For sure.
0: Um I guess I and you kind of you kind of answered this. Um Anyway, but I just, I guess what I really appreciate, you just, you mentioned narratives and the value of that so much and like hearing these stories and being connected with people across the world. Um, I, I guess why, why I pointed out is sometimes in my experience, um, teaching there isn't necessarily, there isn't as much um, credit isn't the right word, but there wasn't necessarily that historical value placed on narratives and storytelling as opposed to more of a black and white approach. So um, I guess... Not, not really a question, because like I, I'm just acknowledging how um, I really like how, you, how you've pointed that out as being something very integral to it, and I love that it actually has this capacity to kind of weave in two separate worlds, or a couple different separate worlds of schools of thought and education, and yet some of the challenges faced by those of us, regardless of what curriculum we're teaching or subject areas we're falling into, that's we can still unify through these things, so um, yeah, I, I, I just... Shout out to <laughs> shout out to that acknowledgement because I really appreciate it. I love that. Um, Alex, do you have one queued up? I, I'm I'm good to go here. I gotta, okay,
1: sure. <laughs> um,
0: so I was um, I when when looking at your uh like your your designs um and targeting youth specifically, and I, all of us having worked with you specifically in the past um, have. What's you, have you had any experiences working, I guess, beyond youth and, um, I guess, parents and other beyond educators, I guess, um, in terms of that? And do you have any, I guess, tips, suggestions? Um, the, I, I saw this phrasing like shifting to a lens of empathy um, mm-hmm. when meeting resistance and stuff. And I guess um, for us as teachers working with parents, as we commonly do when, when pursuing some of these goals, um, what, what, I guess, what suggestions or tips would you have?
2: Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think for me, my paths early on were mainly as a classroom teacher. So I had a lot of interactions with parents um, and colleagues. So my experiences were kind of contained in the schoolhouse, I would say. And then around that time when I found the SDGs and when I moved out of K-12 and started doing some work with different organizations at tech companies, uh that's when I started to to move past those walls and work with ministries of education, with with companies. Um, so I think what I learned early on with with colleagues, with with parents, and we all were working for the good of these children. And I think that was very clear. We, we, we are all coming from it at a from a different point of view, but we all wanted them to be successful. So you have to kind of find those lines of connection and um, you have to prioritize connection and you have to take time to talk and and bring them in. So right now, and a lot of the topics that the SDGs cover, a lot of the things that I'm specifically working on, particularly in in areas like climate change um, and quality education, disrupting systems a little bit. I think I take from those lessons and enter into them with this assumption of goodwill. And knowing that, well, I may not on surface agree with what this group or this, um, this mission is. I have to hope that we all are going at it maybe from a different way, but for the good of our planet, for the good of people. And so if you come into it with that, rather than with resistance and frustration and anger, then that's sensed, I think, and people people know, well, all right, maybe this is a safe space. Maybe this is a space that I kind of want to get into. And then going with a clear invitation on how to partner for progress, not, you know, I disagree with you and you need to come to my side. It doesn't often work that way. And if you do, then it's gonna take a lot longer to get some progress going. So that's tended to work really well. And I think we're seeing right now that this generation, these young people, this is how they're leading. They're going in and they're saying, and we talk about stories. I think they are prioritizing storytelling. They are saying, um, who, who are our resources? What are our resources? How can we use them to to do good in the world? So, it's complicated. I think when you have people, if you're talking about if it's parents, if it's administrators, if it's big industries and uh, these multi-billion companies, um, it's not going to be easy. But you've got to commit to it and and figure out ways to make it work. So. Uh, I think that that would be what I'm seeing and what I'm uh, the way I'm approaching.
1: So, so I'm wondering, you know, from your presentation with Let's Talk Science, um, you made it look and feel very easy that this was very approachable and, you know, not, not necessarily easy to do, but doable. Like this is something that any teacher can take up. And, and I think it really felt that um, there was this empowerment, you know, push behind you. But, you know, when that teacher, you know, your workshop, goes into a classroom and says, I've got all of this curriculum that I've got to get through. Um, I'm just a tiny classroom in this huge world. And I'm talking about disrupting systems. Um, like, h- how do you move from, um, you know, small teacher, small classroom, maybe in a rural or urban setting, you know, to actually thinking, to believing that your classroom can make a difference? Uh, in, in terms of SGGs, Like, I, I think for me, that's what I think is hard for me to understand about your work because that's the big connection. That's why we need people like you to 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 kind of make those connections, to create that passion. Um, because sometimes it's very difficult as an isolated teacher to get to that place and to really, you know, to think about not only yourself, but also your students and of course the much larger world. So I'd love to hear how you make that connection or we help empower teachers in that way
2: yeah well um, I think that and and I often I feel that way sometimes like oh this is heavy and there's so much to be done um, chunking it out is is what I have to do and taking and small gains and, and collective action is is really where it's at if we're gonna make these uh, these differences in the world that we're, we're hoping to see but my best advice to teachers is is really to be vulnerable and to go into the work with your students and so work around social good work around the sdgs when we're talking about things like climate change or how can we ensure that everyone on our planet has food or how do we build sustainable cities i mean the best minds in the world are approaching these challenges and they're trying to figure it out so um and I don't think the pressure needs to lie with us in, in solving those, but it's opening up that dialogue. And so oftentimes we are like, all right, so how do we go, where do we start? Like, great, I understand why we need to be doing this. I now understand my responsibility in doing this, but what are those steps to start? And I, I'll often say, take that SDG poster, print it out. It's We all own it, put it in your classroom. Um, and then wait and see what happens because I guarantee someone's gonna ask you questions. Whoever designed this poster was brilliant because there are these, these colors that pull you in, really, sm- yeah, yeah, Logan's nodding at, it's, there's these, um, these icons that feel digestible, they feel accessible. So you place that poster and then that next person that comes in, if it's a student, if it's your teacher next door, and they're like, what's this all about? And this is that moment where you get to be like, you know what, I only just learned about these SDGs. I'm not really sure. Would you be interested in joining me to figure it out? And that vulnerability, I think will invite students to say, hey, I you know, I might have some, some good ideas here to contribute. And that helps us get those, those trends we're seeing in education moving from consumption to creation. And and positioning teacher as a help desk really can help you get there um, and accelerate that too, so I think um, that's one quick and easy thing anyone can do almost free just the cost of printing that that paper out and putting a little time into it and the other would be connecting with other people from different parts of the world I think that is don't go in it alone there are so many people out there trying to figure this out in education and looking for colleagues to to uh, lock arms with and for me, that place, as Logan mentioned at the beginning of our, our time together today, has been Twitter. Like Twitter, I can I can attribute every conversation, pretty much every relationship, every opportunity in some way back to Twitter. I, I'm in my my house here in Florida, um, and and I get to talk to you both today, a uh, mm-hmm. totally different country. And uh, you know, later on, I'm going to talk to people in a different part of our world. I woke up this morning working with. Um, my co-founder, Kuhn, he's in Belgium. We, you know, and we've only, we've worked together every day, all day, and we've only met a handful of times. So, yeah, I think, I think those would be the, do tiny little things in the classroom that can add up to big change and find people who are ready to go on this journey
1: with you. Awesome.
0: I, I was, as as you're mentioning, printing, I, to any teachers listening, make sure you're in print off the color ones, because the, the color will pop and it will draw in that attention. Um, I'm just recalling if you need to sneak it past your admin or something like that, where the <laughs> color printing may be uh, by request only sort of situation, um, make sure you do it. Uh, be intentional with that stuff um, and very, very deliberate about it, because those things, it, it totally does catch the eye um makes a so, difference get yeah, that's me throwing it to personal experience <laughs> there a couple of years ago at one of our schools it was a uh, you, you only get so many color print offs uh, over a stretch you, you been so there been there. <laughs> really get it get it out there cuz it's it is visually uh, it'll catch you so um i guess so and just you you open with uh being vulnerable and um as well and just in in talking to teachers and stuff too it really um I I know it's uh, especially in that starting out thing like finding yourself as a teacher and your place and how your classroom's going to look um but I guess what I'm trying to ask is what's uh what are some specific things that could help model what being vulnerable looks like I guess with this um for the teacher cuz it like it the 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 evidence is there that like it helps build relationships not even like across it helps with your classroom management and like opening up like that um and i think it's like something very hard for some teachers to to get past or kind of open up like that so i guess how how, how explicitly might that might that look mhm
2: Well, I mean we're pretty explicit with it with our projects and we move through, so our global collaboration projects that are specifically designed for the SDGs, we will move teachers through this, so we're teacher facing. Um, We'll move teachers through this progression that they then go out with their classrooms um, and they are positioned as that help desk, they start off with um, kind of this inspiration phase where they're saying, let's, let's get inspired together. Um, there's a lot of observation. There's a lot of conversation, um, all built around inquiry. Then they move into ideation where they're getting all the ideas out. It's a super uh, engaged and messy moment. And then they start to move into implementation. And at no moment in that process is the teacher needing to be an expert on any of the topics and, and kind of hopefully isn't because what I found um, when we kind of move into those traditional practices of education, I'm the teacher. I know in my mind, the answer that I'm seeking. And so I will, if I have a test or if I have that, that essay that I'm um, I'm putting out in front of my students, I think what we're, we're hearing from a lot of students is that they're trying to give an answer that the teacher already has ready to go in their minds. Um, Here, though, the answer isn't known the teacher doesn't know the answer the students are getting ready to create that answer. And so that vulnerability and even explicitly saying that like I don't know the right answer here, I honestly have no idea, but we can create it together let's go find information to help us. uh, Make that decision and at the end of it, we still might not have the answer and that's okay so everything we talk about, process-based, uh, project-based, um, problem-based, like this is it. Like this is how we can get there in and, and a really authentic way that values the voice of uh, our students. And so I think, um, I think that thinking through that aloud with our students too, really can help them um, And talking about the mistakes you make and, and saying, I just met, like, I just met someone uh, at this conference and they live in this part of the world. And what do you all think about having connection with them? How do we go about it? What are the steps that we need to take? And then just putting it in front of them. So the, the trickiest part with all of that, and, and kind of back to Alex's question of like, all right, like, yeah, sounds cool, but what how are we really going to make that happen, you have to dedicate time. Time is going to be the trickiest part and that's what I appreciate most with our teachers, because we're very limited on that time and I think we all would love to be in this utopic environment where it's like great we just can like. We don't have other things that we're bound to in the day and we can just explore and, and get messy and get all of those ideas out. So you do have to dedicate time into your schedule to doing it. Um, so that's gonna be the, you know, you start small, start tiny, really tiny, and then you just move forward.
0: Thank you. Um, I, I'm, I'm gonna follow up. So you like, I just I love how it's like so I don't know embodied um, and just like connected all across Um, like hope hope and optimism seems to be like like that's the regular theme of it and stuff and whether it's finding entry points with uh, different businesses parents admin etc some sort of common ground and stuff but like establishing that common ground even with your kids of like I don't I don't know either we're in this together it's it's it very much like there's such a clear guiding principle there that is so apparent in your work. So it's, yeah, it's really awesome to see how, uh, how interwoven that is into everything. So um, I get, what was my, my follow-up to it? I guess with the, with the dedication of time um, have you had any experiences with teachers where um, like after the first year or two, I like, I guess in my brain, like some of the, some of the targets and goals we, we may not see that like the big picture positive thing for like a couple years down the line, or when we're when we're targeting youth, we may not see this like change reflected in the greater portion of society until they're out of schools and contributing in their own areas. So, ha- has there been any? Um, I don't want to say moments of doubt because I have absolutely no doubt that you would hope and optimism would rain through and <laughs> totally good. But for teachers, I guess. Um, that they've expressed that, like you know, like I've I've been at this for a year or two, and it's I'm just not seeing the the hope and change that I was hoping to see.
2: Yeah, the quick wins, um, the rallying around, the, the the excitement that you have. Yeah, I think I mean I do hear from some um, because a lot of teachers they may be the only one in their school building that are doing this work and that are ready for the work, and so I think um, that. That feeling of isolation can um, it, it is is real, but I think it's beyond the SDGs. I think it's you know a lot of the people that come to Twitter they're those innovators. They are they're ready to take the risk. They they're they've got a fire in their belly and they want to uh, figure out a way to make it happen. They're super resourceful, and so when they find that connected educator network. I think that's really where that magic starts to happen. And it's just so happens that by uh, by chance, it's what we're talking about is global collaboration. So they're in these spaces and then it's like, oh wait, hey, you're doing it already. You wanna take it to the level of the classroom. Um, but I have to say like going back to hope and optimism, um, I've, I've not, I have yet to be deterred by any of it. I think um, that it's, what we're seeing every year that passes is just more opportunities to connect, um, more opportunities to really prioritize students stepping in front and, and, and taking the lead on this. I I, I get um, uh, you know, there's a lot of these these ideas in education that can become quite buzzy, like we're talking about student voice and student choice, and that's great. Uh Fantastic, but if we're really talking about student choice, like do students have a choice to even walk into our classrooms? Did, are they forced to come to school? Do they have a choice to stay home? Um, and that was one of the examples I gave in, in our, our conversation last week with what I learned from students in, in Kakuma and in, in Kenya and that they, they absolutely do have a choice. They don't have to go to school. For, school for them is a privilege and they will fight to get to those classrooms because of what opportunity that will allow them to have in their future. So how might we get to that? You know, That's the, the true goal for me is where we have our students saying, oh my goodness, I'm coming to school because guess what? We're getting ready to do this cool activity or we're gonna connect with a classroom in Ireland or whatever it may be. And then, then we know we've, we've really achieved what we hoped to do, I think.
1: So I'm wondering, um... Back to a really practical question. So so a lot of teachers are listening, obviously, and, um, you know, they're thinking, we've been talking really big picture so far. You can probably hear my dog in the background. Uh, we've been <laughs> we talking <don't> uh, <laughs> uh, uh, big picture so far, but I'm wondering, you know, Monday morning, you know, what's the first thing that you, what sort of advice you, would you give for a teacher to show up Monday morning and get involved in this, in the SDGs? Mm-hmm.
2: Morning. So, um, my work—I've—I've I've really narrowed it down in my mind, and I've thought a lot about this the past few years. Like the STGs, as I mentioned, they're that roadmap to get there. They're great. I love it. But it's just the roadmap in your hand. Like, what is the destination? What is your your legacy work? Um, for me, it is is kind of narrowed down to to access and how can we ensure that we're providing access to to ideas, to information, to opportunities for the ready. Um, So this this idea of access, SDGs helps me get there. With that, um, I'm constantly asking when we think about access, who's missing from this conversation? And so we're doing it in our work, we're doing it in our lesson plans, we're doing it in conversations like this where Stories in a podcast are going to be shared out for the whole world. Anyone who wants to access it can. So that would be what I'd start with on Monday morning, and every morning I keep a sticky note on my desk: who is missing from that conversation? Think about that um, critically, and then go out and find that person. And that like that person might not be an individual person; it might be a group of people, and. And find ways to bring those perspectives into the work. Um, and that invitation alone, I think, can can start that spark that you may be looking for to get things going. And you, you let that guide you. The SDGs can be there to help. That's that roadmap, that paper in your hand. But um, the really cool stuff happens when you work with people.
0: Um, yeah, I I I love it. I I I as you say that I'm thinking of uh, what you mentioned at the towards the end of your presentation there last week about human or people being the number one resource and um, that, uh, yeah. Um, The entry points, like whether it is using that poster that um, a couple students in your class look and say, you know what, I'm super passionate about this one and working from there. And it's as soon as you find some common ground across students and stuff, even very different kids, I I think of like the, public education setting where you just have all these kids forced to be together and stuff but if you can find that common ground between and kind of be goal-driven and have that design in mind it really is this wonderful unifying experience of a whole bunch of different types of ways of thinking that may not otherwise be present outside of the uh the, the school setting so um yeah and i i guess like you mentioned assumption of goodwill um earlier too and i just like I, I love that as such a, a governing piece, like whether it is approaching students or and like the, just the belief that people are good is such a, I don't know, calming and like um, stress saving approach to things that, um, I, I don't know, I would when, when talking to my students back in the day, I, I used to say things of like, um, I'd rather believe someone was good and be wrong, than believe someone was bad and be right um just because yeah i don't know so um i just I, I really i really like um i really like that emphasis that you've made on that because it it really is it's it's bringing people together and making those connections using what's in your classroom as well as taking advantage of getting getting those perspectives from with ed tech tools and twitter and whatnot so
1: um
0: it alec do you have any any other ones
1: i, I think I, I think we can just go right to the uh last Thanks. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. Uh, I guess Jen, is there anything um, specific that uh, we haven't covered that you wanna you wanna mention while I while I check and see? Is there anything else?
2: Oh, I mean, I think I, I want to thank you both for this opportunity to share about this work around social good and the SDGs and some of the projects that we've been excited about lately. Right now, we are. In week one of our Climate Action Project, there's still an opportunity. If anyone, we have, um, it's free, it's open for anyone. We have 100, and I asked the other day, Kuhn, and I said, are we still at 143 countries? He's like, we got two more, so we're at 145, and anyone can join. Um, if you join in a little bit late, then it's no problem, because we just, we, we meet you where you're at, and it's a six-week project all around climate education, taking action, asking a lot of questions, and then we have some really great supporters in WWF and NASA and the UN, and we'll conclude on November 4th, which will be Climate Action Day, and that's a moment where we'll have an online live event. Anyone can join. We'll have a really amazing lineup of speakers and students will be sharing out their solutions. and and from that moment we'll have other things that people can participate in so we have a lot in store on our side we'd love to have anyone join in um, we're always interested in, in building out new things as well so i think uh, that's that's what we've got cooking up on our side
0: i get. Um, i had one more i wanted to ask quick um, oh, and i guess sorry um before coming back so um for me I'd like if i'm going to my computer that's whatever, Monday morning at 8 a.m. and I'm just getting prepped for the day and I listen to this and I'm wanting to go, I, I just Google search teach SDGs and I should be tracking stuff down, right?
2: Yeah, it's, it's a hashtag, it's a website. Um, it's, it's a group of people, teach SDGs, you can find us. And then um, if you find me on Twitter, I'm tweeting about all things related to teach SDGs. So you had mentioned it before, Jen, J-E-N, Williams, EDU on Twitter and other social platforms too.
0: So I saw the gram there too, Instagram too, right?
2: Instagram, I'm loving it. Yeah, I love the visual storytelling there. So yeah, sorry to. Uh, Twitter will always be my heart, but I'm really having fun playing on Instagram in the past few years. Uh, that,
0: that, that's more of my world, Alec, when, when, I, when I was in your class, but I always struggled getting into Twitter, but hopefully, hopefully <laughs> it will help kick my butt a little bit to uh, <laughs> you know, after, connect with people. Um, okay. So, um, yeah, one, one more time, you mentioned it, but I will say Jen, Jen Williams, J-E-N Williams, uh, edu.com, um, Twitter, Instagram, Jen Williams, E-D-U, um, and did search those hashtags, uh, teach SDGs if you're wanting to look into some of this. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, I think that I think that's about it. Thank you very much for coming in. It was, it was so wonderful to meet you. Um, I, I, I know I'm I'm pretty fired up. So when I'm when I'm going into classrooms, hopefully next week I'll start uh, printing off some of these copies. Oh, I think I'll we'll get the thumbs up to print it off
2: <laughs> and get that color get that color poster printed. <laughs> That's
0: um, shout out to Alex Dog. Um,
1: yeah. Um,
0: I think Cameo.
2: Maybe, from Alex Thank you,
1: Bailey.
0: <laughs> uh, maybe I heard some Florida birds chirping briefly too. So yeah,
2: we got some birds and we got a wind chime, but. I've got my dogs too, but they, they know they have to stay upstairs right
0: now. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much again. Um, thank you, Um,
2: thanks, thanks Alec. Appreciate you both so much.
0: Have a great rest of your day. Okay. So can't express enough. Thanks to Dr. Jennifer Williams for having that talk and joining Alec and I, um, like Alec and I mentioned in the lead up, there's Jen has so many great stories and just a wonderful approach to education and working with others. Um, And I just like, like it's, it's targeted around those STGs, which is just meaningful work. And there's that investigation and communicating about the world that you, you love to see in science and STEM education, and also recognizing perspectives that can really, really build that sense of connecting with others and all centered around doing something that's like meaningful and matters by taking action globally. So I know personally I try to make that number 3 health and well-being a priority specifically this year in in the classrooms that I'm in but I after this hopefully I could do a little bit better a job of trying to connect uh, beyond just my limited context and uh the places that I'm at and maybe maybe build that multiplier effect that Jen mentioned and expand expand my personal scope as well. Um it's funny, I just say um, and being critical of myself, but working in some of that hope and optimism that was mentioned, I hope I can get better at avoiding ums and ahs and I guesses and so's um, and my pauses um, in the interview there, so I'm hoping there's some growth over the course of the episodes that uh, you get to hear in the future, because realistic too, there's a couple oofs on my part, so you're along for the ride of my personal personal journey and growth here, y'all, so... Enjoy it. And feel free to count up all the ums for me next time, and let me know how it went. Um, at this point, I'll point out some of the the resources and learning resources specifically, but some of the connected to some of the learnings we would have talked about. So look up Teach SDGs. Look up Take Action Global. Connect with Jen Williams at edu. edu. Um, pick something for you and your students to pursue. Connect with learners on these goals throughout the world. Um, You can check out the sustainable development goals at sdgs.un.org slash goals. Um, Find one of the 17 or a couple of the 17 there and the the activity that Jen mentioned as well to get that in there. Um, Once again, for Let's Talk Science, if you want to access any of these two, uh, like these these episodes or even you should maybe be able to still access uh, the coffee and keynote at this point in time, get on over to Let's Talk Science, create an account, check out the inspiration corner. Uh, they also recently launched their learning pathways, so you can also check out uh, how to become a Let's Talk Science certified STEM educator too. Um, and as well, we also mentioned in the interview Jen's book, Teach Boldly, um, and in that she she elaborates a little bit on some of those ideas uh, that she presented about uh, design um, design in terms of uh, taking action towards uh, towards change for the future. Um, thank you all so much for listening. Thanks again to Jen and, of course, the wonderful Alec Koros for guiding Coffee and Keynotes as well as he does. Um, I hope this was a nice addition to your day, and we will see you for the next Coffee and Keynote on October 30th with Kathy Schrock and with another cup of Coffee and Keynote to follow. Uh, another cup of Coffee and Keynote is hosted and recorded on Treaty 4 land in Saskatchewan, Canada. And of course, if you are able, be sure to like and share about this podcast in any way that you can, by word of mouth even if you have to, um, on whatever platforms you listen to this and however you are able to do so. Thank you again so much for listening. Bye-bye.